This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevateerie.tv. There's a lot, there's a lot of great fives out there, isn't there? All right, that's enough. Stop slapping hands. Stop slapping hands. Just kidding. There's a lot of great fives. I remember being five years old. Um, there's a lot of great fives in the food industry. You got Arby's five for five. Love me some Arby's five for five. Got any college students five for five? That's, that's a staple of your diet. Uh, we got $5 footlongs. What's up, Subway? A little shout out to Subway. We got five guys. I love five guys, burgers and fries. What did we come to church for to talk about food? We got bands, right? Five for fighting. Is that a band or is that a song? Um, five Iron Frenzy, that's another band. But probably the best one, the Jackson Five, right? Jackson Five, ABC. I'm always singing and dancing up here. But I remember, how many of you guys remember being five years old? Like, honestly, you remember something about being five. I thought when I turned five, it was the greatest years of my life. I really did. I believed that five was awesome because it was five years old when I learned to go off the diving board. And that was a big deal, right? I mean, I was fearless at five. At five years old, I got my first big boy bike. It was a mongoose. It was dark blue. My dad bought it at a garage sale. It was this chromoly kind of bike. I think it weighed like 600 pounds. It was just this big, heavy bike. But that was my first big boy bike. I had my first kiss at five years old. Not from my mama, all right? That doesn't count. But it was in a church van. It was in the back seat of a church van. And someone had double dog dared me, maybe even triple dog dared me, to kiss Kathy like under the seats in the back of the church van. And I did. What's up? <laughs> and from that point on, I was terrified because I thought at that moment I had gotten her pregnant. That's what I really believed. <laughs> That I'm five years old and here I am. I'm going to I'm gonna have to man up at five and take care of a baby. Right? But five, five was awesome. In a lot of ways, we feel kind of like a five-year-old church. Honestly, we're, we're learning a little bit about ourselves. We're, we're able to run and jump a little bit more than we have been, yet many times we still fall down. We're learning that, that we, we, we can extend our reach and we want to do what our big brothers and sisters are doing. But in many ways, we have size limitations, and we can't quite reach up to the countertop yet, you know? We want to try to help, but we can't quite get there. Or like when you're five, that's when you start school. You start going to school, you start thinking you're like a real kid. In a lot of ways, we feel like we're a real church, but we also know that we have so much to learn and so much room to grow. And in fact, this is a very special day, and we have some very special people uh, sitting along the front row here. These are some of the, the founding families of Elevate Church. These seven families are ones that really um, bought into the vision, bought into the mission of Elevate, but also into me and Kristen. And I, and I said earlier, more so Kristen than me, because they're like, Kristen knows what's up. 
I don't know about this guy, right? So they re- really bought, bought into that. And I'm gonna introduce them as they come up one at a time. This is Ryan and Tiffany. Just, it's important for you guys to put a name with a face. Uh, Ryan and Tiffany, Rain, so no, just walk all the way up. Don't be shy. And this is my wife and baby, by the way. You haven't seen the baby. It's been like a week since I put a picture up. At least zoom in on that thing. Oh, maybe they are. I don't even know. Okay, all right, cool. Not, not cl- too close. That's a plunging neckline. Um, just kidding, it's not. Ryan and Tiffany Rains, Sean and Marianne Thornton, you guys come on up here. Come on up, come on up. Leo and Cindy Hines, come on up here. Leo is one of our trustees, just so you guys know. And the slackers, Ryan and Katie King that just walked in, come on up here. <laughs> Another one of our, our trustees. What's up, you guys? What's up, what's up? Scott and Carol Russell, come on up here. And then where's Shana? Shana hiding out in the back. Hey, you guys. Listen, we know, like Psalm 115 says, not to us, not to us, but to your name be the glory. We're not here to glorify these guys, but we are, I think, it's important for us to time to time to honor them. And for you guys to put some, some faces with names, we talk about these families that really um, came alongside Kristen and I in planting this church. I don't say behind us because really they've walked this road with us every step of the way. They've been there with us, praying for us, you know, um, just any way that we needed help kind of jumping on board. Because I know this, I know that what we're experiencing today, I know how much of it really, I'm in touch with my reality, is, is, is me. And I know how much of it isn't me, which is about 99.9999% that it's all been God. We get that. But I think it's important for us to stop and pause, you know, and just honor those that that went before us. Deuteronomy chapter six says this, God's talking to um, the Israelites before they move into the promised land. And he's saying, hey, you guys are gonna take possession of the land. You're gonna occupy some cities that you didn't build. You are going to um, get the fruit off of the the vine that you guys didn't plant, that you guys didn't till the the field in order to get. You're going to drink the water. You're gonna gonna have the, the benefit of the cisterns of the wells without actually having to dig them. And here's what you guys need to know. Kristen and I feel so much this way that long before we even got here, these guys that you're looking at right up here were planting, were digging, we're, we're occupying, um, we're, we're, we're going in and building the city. And much of what we are experiencing today is because these guys, through their faithfulness and through their passion, pursued God and said, God, we want to see you move in our city. And so I think it's important for us to take an opportunity right now to acknowledge them and say thank you to these guys that came alongside the dream of Elevate Church. Thank you guys so much. Awesome, awesome. Careful with that baby. Hey, look, you even got a standing O. Look, look back here. What's up? Yeah, that's right. Awesome, you guys. We love you guys. Sincerely, you don't understand how much they love you, how much they pray for you, and just pray for God to move in this city. And in fact, you continue on in that chapter in Deuteronomy 6, and they were here earlier, so they're not being, you know, rude by leaving. Just so you guys know. Continue on in that, in that chapter in verse 12. It says, hey, hey, but don't forget. Like, don't forget how you, how you got here. Not just the who, 
right? Because we're not forgetting what, this is all God. We get that, it's all God, but the how you got here. And I think today what I want us to do is stop and pause and remember the how, remember the values, remember what drove us here in the first place. Because if we forget about that, this church is gonna end up looking like something that we didn't intend for it to look like. And I don't want that to happen to us. That's why when we launched this church five years ago, we didn't launch it with already a written set of values. Core values of saying, this is who we are. Because honestly, we had no idea who we are. And I think a lot of churches you know, will say, this is a value of ours, but they don't exhibit that value in the least. Churches will say, you know, we value grace. Come as you are, except you better never do that again or else we're gonna kick you out. Right, or we value, we value excellence. So check your kid into this children's area where it's dirty and it smells like diapers and Cheetos, you know, or whatever. So they'll say that this is a value of theirs or, or we value, you know, generosity, but we've never given outside our walls. And we just decided, hey, we're not gonna launch this church and say, this is who we are. We're gonna wait and we're gonna see what is it that you see when you walk in here? Like, what is it that people from God experience when they walk through the doors? Because we want these to ring true to us. We want these to be true of this church, that these are our values. So I'm excited to say on our five-year anniversary that we are rolling out the first five Elevate Values. These are our codes. These are things that, that we feel like, man, this is true to who we are over the last five years. And again, we're still learning. We're still growing. We're probably going to add to this later on. But today, this is who we are. And we're going to keep this simple. These are not fancy. These are not, you know, slick worded values. We're kind of a cookies on the bottom shelf kind of church. Amen. You know what I'm saying? We keep it simple around here. In fact, I had somebody tell me just the other day, hey, Colby, that was, that was the most simple message I'd ever heard. I don't think it was a compliment, <laughs> but I took it that way, right? Because I don't care. We just want to keep things simple. That's why, number one, if you want to write this down, these are our, our values as a church, if I can find it. Boom. The first one, the most important one, the reason for everything that we do is this. Jesus is our message. Write that down. Jesus is our message. We point people to Jesus. That's what we do. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 17. It says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, that the old life is gone and the new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God. I want to stop right there. This is a gift. It's nothing that you could earn. It's nothing that you could work for. But God, in his grace, freely gives us this gift of salvation. He says, you have this gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Some of you, that's your story. You know you ran from God. Maybe you're still running from God and you're here today. I'm glad that you're here today. But God wants to bring you back and he does it through this gift that he's given us. God has given us this task. So now that God's brought you back, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you've received that gift, it says you have a job to do. You have a task, and that is of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer, watch this, counting people's sins against them. Amen. 
Like that's the best news that you're gonna hear all day, that God no longer, those of you that are in Christ, does not count your sins against you. That when he looks at you, he sees the sacrifice of his son for you. That's the gospel. And that's, that's great news. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So now it's our message to carry so that we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak now for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So much of what we do every single week is say, come back to God and point people to Jesus. We say, welcome home, that God loves you just as you are. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin, that we could be made right with God through Christ. God is making his appeal to the world and he's using you to do it. Like there is no plan B that it's you. So what do we do with that, that news? Do what Jesus said, Mark 16 says, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. Now that you're in Christ, you have this responsibility, you have this task to carry this message to everyone that you can. That's what your life is now about. That's what this church is all about. We are a great commission church. We are, now our job is to carry the message that Jesus rescued us, that Jesus is our salvation, that Jesus paid for your sin and my sin on the cross, and we don't have to pay for it anymore. And we have the job now to carry that message, that he died for us. And when he died, he conquered sin and death, right? Came back to life so that you and I could have life. In fact, that's, that's what set Jesus apart from every other religion in the world, that he was dead, he was put in the grave, put in a tomb, but it was only borrowed, right? Because three days later, he got up and he's alive. Every other religion in the world, you go to any other founder's religion, you know, their grave and their bones are there. You go to Muhammad's grave, his bones are there. You go to Buddha's grave, fat boy's bones are there, right? It's there. But Jesus isn't there. And you go to his tomb and I've been there and above it, it says, he is not here. He is risen. The hope that we have is that Jesus is alive. And because he's alive, what does that mean for you? Now you can experience freedom. Now you have salvation. Now you have a friend that sticks closer than a brother, right? Now you have hope for today and strength for tomorrow. And we will share that message relentlessly with people. We'll do anything, anything short of sin to share the message of Jesus. Jesus said this in John 14, I am the way. I am the truth, I'm the life, and no one gets to the Father but by me. Or Acts 4.12, salvation, we just sang the song, is found in no one else. There is no other name by which man must be saved. Jesus did not say that he was one of the ways. He said he is the only way. That's why Jesus is our message, amen? Jesus is our message. And this church is unapologetically a one-man show. That man is Jesus Christ. And our foremost responsibility every single week is to clear the path and point you to him. And we'll do it. Because everyone in this room is looking for something to place their hope in. In fact, everyone that you know in this world is looking for someone or something to put their hope in. And the things the world will tell you to put your hope in will not last. It is a fleeting hope. In fact, go ahead. Go ahead and put your hope in your appearance or your body. Go ahead and do it. Here's what I know. 
appearances fade, abs get hidden in there somewhere. <laughs> Mine are, they're hidden, right? Gravity takes a hold of other parts of your body. Like, go ahead and do it. Go ahead and put your, put your hope in your, in your diet and eating gluten-free and, and eating kale chips and all that kind of stuff, right? Eat clean all you want. You're still gonna die. It's inevitable. You're gonna die. You might live a little bit longer than, than me, but I'm gonna see Jesus first and I'm gonna eat ice cream on my way out, all right? I'm just saying. Everything that the world wants you to put your hope in will not last. Some of you are trying to put your hope in relationships. And that won't last. You're placing your hope in a fallible human who is filled with sin. Listen, everyone who's looking for something, who's not placing their hope in Jesus, is trying to find a temporary solution to fill this, this problem that's in their heart. And Jesus is the message that we share for that. This is a Jesus church. We are Jesus people. We are not religious people. Now, methods are going to come and go. They're going to change. That's great. But our message never will. It will always remain the same. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In fact, we take this so seriously. Here's what you need to know. This isn't a game. This isn't just about entertainment. Heaven and hell are realities. And every time you lock eyes with someone, you're locking eyes with a person that matters to God and a person that's going to spend eternity in one of two places. That's why this is so important to us. That's why every single week, you, you know it, every single week, we will point you to Jesus. And in the last 240 Sundays that we have met here, we have pointed people to Jesus. And in the last 200, sorry, 60 Sundays, 3,477 people have given their life to follow Jesus, and we celebrate that. It's wrong on your handout because we didn't count the last few weeks, just saying. That's why it's a different number. But that's unbelievable. You know what that is? That is about 14 people every single week. That's about two people a day crossing the line of faith and meeting Jesus. Jesus is our Message Number two, people are our, are our heart. Say that fast. People are our heart. In Mark chapter two, verse 16, the Pharisees are once again highly offended that Jesus would um, hang out with sinners, hang out with tax collectors, hang out with people who were, were a little bit messy. And watch in verse 16, this is what they say. But when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. That I haven't come to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Over and over and over again in scripture, you'll see that Jesus takes time out to touch those believed to be untouchable, to love those who were believed to be unlovable, to love people right in the middle of their mess. And do you know in the last five years, we've seen some messes around here? We have. That's just, that's the reality from, from people who were um, shooting up in the bathrooms at Harding School to people who were trying to steal out of the offering bucket, not trying to, they succeeded at Harding School. 
from people who committed adultery to marriages being separated to people stuck in pornography addictions. From people um, just not that long ago, somebody in our parking lot out here was arrested for possession of an illegal substance and taken to prison. I myself have taken several people to, to rehab centers, to, to Mill Creek Hospital to try and get them some detox and some help. And I know you hear that and you think, this is a messed up church. Like they're attracting the, the worst of the worst. Obviously it's not working, prison going to, people going to prison, going to rehab, and I would say that's one way to look at it. But when we launched this church, you know what? We launched it with those people in mind. Because those people, that's me too. That's my story, that's your story as well. Because all people matter to God. And Jesus didn't come for the righteous, right? He came for the marginalized. He came for those who are broken, those who are hurting, those who are stuck in sin. And people are our heart. And so we exist for them. In fact, we, we did an end of the year series towards the end of this last year called Until Jesus Runs His Town. And it's going to be an annual thing. And we took an offering at the end of it, which was going to go to help just create more opportunities to reach people far from God and to really further uh, the move that, that God's doing here in Erie through this church. And so I'm happy to say, you know, one of the initiatives of that was that we were going to uh, have a mobile dream center where we would take this, this truck into neighborhoods, two people where they are, you know, and meet their needs right where they are. And you guys stepped up and you guys gave on that Sunday $39,000. That's awesome. In fact, the exact number, 39,193 and 95 cents. So somebody couldn't come up with five more cents, really, really? <laughs> Just kidding, I'm kidding. But all that to say is that I'm excited that on Saturday, April the 8th, we are sending out our inaugural dream, mobile dream center. And we're gonna go downtown. We've already rented out Perry Square and we're gonna host an Easter egg hunt and pancake breakfast for those that need it in the city. It's gonna be awesome. It's going to be awesome. It's gonna be our first event down there. Now listen, this isn't for you to go have an Easter egg hunt, all right? I gotta say that, I gotta be clear, but this is an opportunity for us to reach people who are far from God. Again, we are unapologetically focused, laser focused on people who are far from God and we desire to bring them home at all costs because there's not a person on this planet that Jesus didn't give his life for. Black, white, Hispanic, Asian, afflicted, addicted, rejected, right? Infected, gay, straight, doesn't matter. Jesus died for us all. And that's our heart. And we're not gonna be that church that just shows up on Sunday and sits on our hands, sings a couple songs, goes home and eats roast beef. That's not who we are. We're not just gonna be the church, you know, we are the church outside of these walls and people are our heart. The third one is this, generosity is our privilege. And in fact, if I could be so bold, I'll say this, if you wanna write this down, generosity is our responsibility. Privilege sounds nicer, doesn't it? You know, I don't like this responsibility stuff. Generosity is our privilege. Look at John chapter four, verse 31. This is another time that Jesus uh, would touch, you know, those believed to be untouchable. 
and love people that were unlovable. He's talking to a woman at a well. Uh, many of you know the story. She's an adulteress. Uh, she's at this well. Jesus is talking to her, which was a big deal in and of itself. You know, a, a Jewish person doesn't talk with a woman, much less a Samaritan, you know, much less alone at this well. And so he's there talking with her. And he sent his disciples in town to get some food. And we're going to skip the, the beginning part of the story. But in verse 31, his disciples come back. And they're just blown away that Jesus would sit there and talk with this woman. In fact, nobody had the guts to ask him, you know, what are you doing? But they're bringing back him some food. And verse 31 says, meanwhile, the disciples were urging, urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. You got to eat. We want to get you food. But he replied, I have a kind of food that you know nothing about. Underline that. I have a kind of food that you know nothing about. And they turned to each other and said, did someone bring him food while we were gone? They had no idea. Verse 34, then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. What's interesting is the disciples were concerned about consumption. They were concerned with, with getting their own. They were concerned with, with eating, right? And, and you know what they had to, had to get for themselves. But Jesus wasn't concerned with consuming. He was concerned with contributing. And what he said was, when you contribute into someone else's lives, in someone else's life, it nourishes you. It feeds you in a way that you don't understand. And they didn't get it because it was all about them and getting theirs and consuming what they needed. And that goes against our human nature, because all of us at our core, whether we want to believe it or not, we're selfish and self-centered. You don't believe me? Like today, when you leave here and you go and get your balloon, you give it to a three-year-old, and then two seconds later, snatch it back from him. See what happens. <laughs> He's going to freak out, right? Or even better, you give him that balloon, let him hold on to it for a minute, and then pop it right in front of his face. That'd be funny too. Like we just have meltdowns all over the place. Like you don't have to teach your children how to be selfish. We're just selfish by nature. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. There is a higher calling that you guys don't understand. It's not all about consuming. It's not all about getting my own. But when I contribute into the lives of others, I'm getting in a fed in a way that you know nothing about. And honestly, that's the consumer mindset of this culture that we live in, all about getting mine. And that's bled over into the church. You know how I know? Have you ever heard anybody say, well, I'm just, I'm just shopping around for a church? You ever hear that? I'm just church shopping. What the heck is that? Because <laughs> then this is what they'll say. I'm looking for a place that meets my needs. My needs. Since when? Was it all about coming to church, meeting my needs? When we are the church and we exist for the world, we exist to meet the needs of others. It's not all this, this consumer mindset that has bled over into the church. We're not consumers, we're spiritual contributors. And our food is something that you don't understand. Generosity is our privilege. And if you're a follower of Jesus, he has called you and gifted you to serve in his house. Look at this, Romans chapter 12. This lists seven gifts that, that God has given to us. In verse four, it says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. What's Christ's body? Somebody answer out loud. The church. 
is the church that you've been given these gifts, a special function for his church. We're many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. I love that. We're gonna come back to this whole idea of doing it well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, well, do it. Speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving, serve them well. Do it well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, well, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. God has given you gifts, and he wants you to use those gifts in his church for his glory. That's why Scott, I brought Scott up here a little bit ago, one of our guys that helped found the church. Scott serves every single weekend. Scott is our prayer team leader. Many of you guys know who he is. He leads our prayer team. He prays over all the requests that you guys write on those cards. He and his team pray over those. They pray over the service. They prayed over you today because they wanted you to experience one moment in God's presence today. They, prayed, they, they pray weekly. He sends out emails and updates, and a lot of times he encourages that team. Why does he do it? Because he has food that you know not of. He has something else that nourishes him, that strengthens him. Jen, she's one of our, our, our host members. Jen serves every single week, sits one and serves one. And she comes, and I think if we had church every single day, Monday through Friday, she would be here serving. Got to tell her to take a break. Stop, Jen. Why does she do it? Because she's got food you know nothing of. Anthony, who's back there, sits one, serves one every week, goes back there and teaches our little ones on their level about the love of Jesus. Probably wipes snotty noses. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't do that. Why does he do that? Because he has food that you know nothing of. It nourishes him. It's something we need to understand that generosity is our privilege. We are contributors. We don't just go to the church. We are the church. And it's our honor, it's our privilege to serve. And not only do we serve in his church, we serve as his church in the world. Real quick, look at Matthew 5. Jesus said to those who are, who are his followers, you're the light of the world. You're like a city on a hill that can't be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, that lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Not you, but praise your father in heaven. Let your good deeds shine out. Now, we're not saved by our works, but we are saved to do good works. That we are to be generous in our world and in our communities as well. We'll say it this way. We're not saved by our good works. We are saved to do a good work for a great God. That we are called to embrace generosity. And we're not just generous with our time and talents, but also with our treasure. God has richly given to us, and it's our honor to give back to him. In fact, to date, to date, this church has given beyond our walls to planting churches, to the city mission, to other ministries in our city, to people in need within this church, $261,551. Is that unbelievable? Like, that's awesome. 
like over a quarter million dollars this church has been able to give in the last month. That's just, that blows me away. We want to be a generous church. Number four is this, excellence is our calling. Excellence is our calling. I gotta go through these last two fast. You guys have to listen fast. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 15, 38 says, so my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for him is ever useless. I love that. Nothing that you ever do. In fact, the passage we read before that says, if you're gonna serve, like serve well. If you're gonna encourage others, like do it, do it well. Let's do it with excellence. Now there's a difference between excellence and perfection. We're not after perfection. We're not a perfect church. In fact, we're a church filled with imperfect people trying to worship a perfect God. And a lot of times that gets messy. But we say, like my dad always said, if something's worth doing, it's worth doing right. And there's a difference between excellence and extravagance too. We're not an extravagant church. We're not looking to have the best of things. We're just looking to do the best with what we have, with what God has given to us. And we always believe that we're a church. We're just gonna do more with less. That's that's who we are. In fact, we believe that we can accomplish more by doing less. You're like, Colby, that makes no sense. How does that work? How do you accomplish more by doing less? Here's how. Have you ever been to that church that when you walk in, they give you this bulletin? And it's like, shame, shame. Some of you didn't see that, but let the balloon go. Elevate Kids is a perfect place for you. Um, just kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. You ever been to that church where you get that bulletin when you walk in and it lists all their programs, all their events, everything that they do, right? And it's like this, it's got like 600 things that this church does, you know, on Monday through Friday and Wednesday night and Sunday night and everything. Like you walk in, this bulletin is like, like the menu at the Cheesecake Factory, if you've ever been there. I love me some Cheesecake Factory, sorry. Love me some Cheesecake Factory. But a lot of times there's been this idea that you, you know, the more the church does, well, obviously the better it is. It's like the golden corral of churches. Like it's a buffet that you can go and you can get whatever you want, when you want it. You got this program and that program and this event and that event. The only problem with that strategy is golden corral sucks. I'm just being honest, it's terrible, right? But there's this idea that, like if you think you can do everything well, more than likely you're not doing anything well. And we just decided we're not gonna be the golden corral of churches where we have all these different things. We just, we'd rather be like Longhorn. We just wanna do a good steak and do it well, right? So we decide we're gonna do four things. We're gonna do this weekend experience and we're gonna do it well. We're gonna do it with excellence. We're gonna do our student ministry and you guys need to know on Wednesday nights, our student ministry, our leaders are killing it. We see about you know, 60 to 100 kids every single week and it's just unbelievable. We do groups, we wanna get you guys in a group. We believe that's where real life change happens and we do the serve team. We wanna get you guys connected to the body of Christ through giving, through, through serving, through using your time and your talent. There's a difference between excellence and extravagance. In fact, do you guys remember the the parable of the seed. I talked a little bit about not that long ago where the seed was scattered. Some of the seed was scattered on the wayside. Some was scattered, you know, in the thin soil where it was rocky underneath and it grew up fast, but because it didn't have strong roots, it, when the sun came out, it withered and died and some was thrown into the, 
into the thorns where it was choked out. Do you know what the most important part of that parable is? Do you know what the most important part of that seed being able to produce fruit is? It's, it's the soil in which it's planted. It's the environment in which it's been planted. And we want to have excellent environments. And here's why. When you walk through these doors, if it's excellent, if things are done well, if people smile at you and, and welcome you and you're far from God and you're just checking this thing out and you, you check in your kids and it's safe and secure and it's clean and you feel, you know, man, it's excellent back there. You know what that leads to? That leads to you being comfortable. That leads to you like, okay, I can, I can, I can leave my kids there and I can come in here and you know, check this place out. And if you come in here and you're comfortable, you know what that leads to? An openness. An openness to what, Colby? An openness to hear God speak to your heart. An openness to finally understand that Jesus gave his life for you, to hear the gospel, to receive it. Maybe you've never heard that before, but an excellence breeds comfortability, which breeds an openness, which means, hey, maybe just maybe, this is gonna be the day that God speaks to your heart and meets you right where you are. Excellence is our calling. Excellence is our calling. Our last one is this. And I'll have the band come back out so they're ready to go. And again, the reason why we're excellent is because we serve an excellent God. God never went halfway with us, right? He gave his first and his best. And I think it's just appropriate for us to do the best we can with what we've been given as well. Amen, amen. One more, passion is our pursuit. Is our pursuit. And I'll close with this. Passion is like the thread that's woven into everything that we do. Our worship time together, passion is, is the thing that, that allows those who serve to do it with this kind of Holy Spirit energy in their life. That we're just passionate. We're passionate about Jesus. We're passionate about his church. We're passionate about people. David said this in Psalm 69. He said, passion for your house has consumed me. I want to be passionate for God and his house and what, what he's doing. I saw some of the pushback from some of you guys is, well, I'm not a passionate person. I just don't get that excited. Liar. You know how I know that's not true? It's because you can watch a football game where some 20-year-old man-child carries a leather ball across a chalk line and you will lose your mind. And you'll wave and scream, ah, right? You'll high five people you don't know. You'll hug drunk people in the stands. Like, you're passionate. I know you're passionate. And I'm not against football, man. I'll be passionate for football. I love, I love football. But I just think, if we can be passionate about that, why can't we celebrate and be passionate when the most exciting event that ever took place in the history of the world was that God sent Jesus to die for us and that he came back to life conquering the grave and no longer does he hold my sin against me. If I'm gonna get excited about something, that's what I'm getting excited about. Do you know why? Because I once was lost too. I once was blind, but now I'm found. I was dead and now I'm alive and now I have this hope and God has given me a purpose and a plan. I can't do anything apart from him. If I'm gonna be passionate about something, that's what I'm gonna be passionate about. 
I'm gonna celebrate that every single day of my life because I never have forgotten what he saved me from. And he sent me a motion to do good works for him. I may be passionate about that. And I know some of you would say, well, whenever you guys just celebrate and, or you might be saying, Colby, why are you yelling at me today? I brought friends, you're scaring me. Oh, sorry about that. I'll be nice next week. But you might say, when, you, when you, you're passionate and you worship and you shout, you praise and you're excited, does not just make you a feel-good church? What's the alternative? To be a feel-bad church? Does anybody want to do that? Listen, I just think that we should praise God the way he wants to be praised. That passion for his house should consume us. This church exists because Jesus is our message. People are our heart. Generosity is our privilege. Excellence is our calling. And we desire to pursue passion in everything that we do. Amen. Would you guys bow your head? Bow your head with me. Hey, right now, here's what I know. That maybe you showed up today and you are far from God. And maybe for the first time, you understand that God sent his son to save you, to rescue you, to give you a hope and a future. That he loves you just the way you are in the middle of your mess and all. And you didn't know that before. Maybe you've never heard that before. Maybe you heard that you had to work your way to get to him. You don't have to work your way to get to him because he sent Jesus to get to you. And by his death on the cross and the sacrifice that he made, his sacrifice covers your sin, past, present, and future. And the worst thing in the world is for Jesus to die on the cross, but for you to pay for your own sin because you haven't placed your hope for salvation in him. And today I wanna give you that opportunity. I'm gonna give you the chance to receive Christ into your life to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible tells us in that moment that you will be saved. It doesn't mean your life's gonna be perfect. It just means now that you have something greater than your life to live for. You have something that's, that you can put your hope in that will never fall apart, that will never fail you, that will never let you down. And today, if that's you, say, Colby, man, I need that. Count me in on that. I wanna pray with you right now. The way we do that's through prayer. Say, Colby, today, I surrender my life. I'm gonna follow Jesus from this moment on. And when you pray that prayer, count me in with every head bowed, every eyes closed. If that's you, would you raise your hand wherever you are in this room? I wanna pray with you. I wanna pray with you today. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. That's so good. Hands all over this room. Man, that's so awesome. Praise God for you. Praise God for you. Awesome, buddy. That's awesome. God, I pray that today, those people in this room with hands held high, Jesus acknowledging that they need you. That's what we're saying. We need you. We can't do this apart from you. And so today, Jesus, I pray that you would come into my life. Just own that. Just pray it to him. Jesus, come into my life. Make me new. I believe that you died for my sin and that you came back from the grave conquering sin and death and therefore, from this moment on, I am clean in your sight. I confess you as Lord. Just let him know that. I confess you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. We are always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevateerie.tv.